So praise God and good to see your beautiful faces today. It's like almost everybody is visual. I'm I'm blessed and I appreciate you for that. I like to see your faces. It means a lot to me. I'm not doing that because I'm being a tyrant. I'm doing that because I like to see your faces. So um, I'm not going to start from the beginning again. But um, I want to go to verse 9. Just before we got through the episode, God so loved the world. And you, if you've been following for the past couple of weeks, you understand Nicodemus comes to him and asks him, good master, how do you do all these miracles that you do? And Jesus begins to break down the process. Things of spirit flow like the spirit. Things of the flesh flow like the flesh. If you flow like the flesh, you won't going to see the things of spirit and vice versa. And of course, I've always taken that to mean from the sin side, you know, you ain't going to see the heaven. You're never going to see heaven if you flow in the flesh. <clears throat> But I've learned something through the course of my walk is when he starts talking about the kingdom. He's not talking about eternal life or afterlife. He's talking about kingdom life or kingdom living. And he offered, offered them the kingdom. He's always offered us the kingdom on earth. You understand that? Thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth, in earth, as it is in heaven. So God always tended for you to have a kingdom existence in the earth that is you and on the earth in which you live. So the kingdom life in you should reflect onto you. We're understanding that now. You should be living out of a kingdom experience. Okay, no, you're, I, don't, I don't think you got it. Holy Spirit said they didn't get it yet. Most of us live out of our earthly experience, not our spiritual knowing or revelation. I judge my success or failure based on the world around me. So with most of us. We expect most of the time even to move a God in the things that we know above the things that he's promised. There's a supernatural resource that I'm learning more and more and more to tap into. And I can tell you some praise report stories that happened even this past week that are just like, God just keeps saying, and no matter how they come at you, I'm gonna keep blessing you. I'm gonna keep blessing you. And I'm gonna set up a table for the president of your enemy. I'm like, well, that's my family. He said, if they set themselves to be enemies, they gotta watch you be blessed. They got to watch it, and I'm going to keep doing it. Now, listen. When you come to the Lord and say to him, show me why faith isn't working for me, or show me why this prayer isn't working, he's not going to walk you around yourself and show you your shortcomings and failures and faults. And I want you to listen real close to what I'm about to say. I'm going to set my word down for a minute because I really want to make sure you get this. Whenever I've not seen the move of God in my life, I immediately start to self-analyze and investigate myself. What's wrong with me and what am I doing wrong? Am I the only one? Am I somehow missing you, God? Am I not in it? And all of a sudden, I start doing this, this witch hunt, this internal witch hunt of myself to disqualify myself from the blessings of God 
based on my human concept of what I might be doing right or wrong. There's a problem with that, and there's two of them. One, if you are not saved by your own righteousness, then you're not condemned by your own faults. You're condemned by not accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. So there's no way to please God and then see the manifestation of faith. You didn't catch that. I'm going to say it one more time. You believe that if you just acted right, your faith would work. But that's a backwards concept. He said, you can't please me and live right without faith. Without faith, it's impossible to do the stuff that you're expecting to do or to please me. Got it? Faith comes first. Then the pleasing God. Mm, you need to sit with that. Faith comes first and then the behavior follows. Faith comes first, then you line up with what you believe. You believe you can't do it, you can't. Your faith or your lack thereof says you can't, so you can't. If you don't believe I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, then you can't. So it's not, let me try to do all things through Christ first, and then I'll believe. It's let me believe. Isn't that what he said to Thomas? You see me and now you believe. But blessed are they who don't see and yet believe. So you don't accomplish spirituality by becoming more spiritual first, and then faith works. You receive it in faith, and then the manifestation of it shows up. Those things that are flesh of flesh, those things are spirit of spirit. He breaks it down to him. He explains to him. And, you know, he says, but how can I do this unless I go into my mom's womb again? And he's like, oh, my God, this guy. OK, listen, let me let me explain this to you. Nicodemus, after he broke our things, things, born of spirit of spirit, things of flesh, he said, how could this be? And Jesus' response to him, verse 10 are you a teacher of Israel and don't understand these things? Truly, I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you. Of, if I have spoken to you, I have spoken to you of everything and you do not believe it. So then how will you believe if I speak to you of heavenly things? So he's saying heavenly blessings, heavenly things work from the spirit realm first. And you don't even believe me when I'm showing you revelation in the flesh. How are you going to, if you can't even comprehend or grab what I'm saying in the natural, how are you going to grab spiritual things? So he's saying spiritual things first and then natural things. Now watch this. Let's go to. No one has ever gone to heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. Just as Moses lift up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him can have eternal life. So now he's explained eternal life is not going to happen until I die and I'm rose again. So he's explaining to them now something that we understand and we accept as a simple reality, but to them had not happened yet. They didn't believe it to be. He was things that did not make sense to their mind at all. There was no Savior in their mind yet. Now, 
for God so loved the world that he only he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that through him, whoever believes in him is not condemned. The world through him is going to be saved. I'm sorry, through him, the world through him will be saved. So whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already. Now, Let's to the statement I started this, this conversation with and hear me again. Whoever believes is not condemned. Whoever doesn't believe is condemned already. Did you read that verse? Read it. It's right there. Whoever doesn't believe is condemned already. The manifestation of your judgment is not when you see it, it's when you fail to believe it. You're already condemned. You're just waiting for the train to get down the track and hit you. But you're already condemned when you don't believe. So when I say faith first and then manifestation, my point is this. Spiritual things come out of the room of the spirit. Earthly things come out of the room of the earth. If you don't know who you are in God, what God has called you to, what he's promised you and anchor to yourself to that and claim that as an inheritance now, you're already condemned. You're just waiting for the reality to bust you in the face. You're already condemned. Where you stand right now is going to bring down the line a manifestation. So trying to be good without first by faith believing you are good is asinine. You cannot receive the things of God in the flesh first, and then translate them to spirit. You must receive them in the realm of the spirit. Holiness must be mine in the realm of the spirit. Righteousness must be mine in the realm of the spirit. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me must be mine in the spirit. I've given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. I must have those now, not when they manifest. And if I don't, I'm condemned from those things already. If I'm not the righteousness of God now, I will never be later. Isn't that what salvation is? Whoever believes, he's saved. Who doesn't believe, he's condemned already. Your life requires you to trust God. God's love is de demonstrated in this. If you trust me, I deliver. If you're wishing for it, I might find some faith in there and help you through but if you don't believe, you're already condemned before you get started. The blessings of the Lord makes a man truly rich and he adds no sorrows to it. So I went to the Lord about the situation I was going to the other day. And I said, okay, your, Lord, your word says, your Lord, you make me truly rich and you add no sorrows. And he said, I ain't Adam. The people around you did. I had nothing to do with that. My thing is, how do you respond to that? Listen to me close. Do you respond by acknowledging that you are in sorrow or do you respond by saying, nope, the Lord's word says he adds no sorrow, so therefore I don't need to walk in sorrow and claim the victory that's mine because he said it, not because it's manifested in my hand. Let me switch up a little bit because there's a point I'm trying to make and I'm trying to build to it, but maybe I just need to go right there. Your breakthrough is in your acceptance of the breakthrough right now. 
your your answer to your prayer is not in the answer. It's in the acceptance of the answer before there is an answer. Your, uh, your wisdom is not in when God reveals it, but when you confess his word says, if any man asks God for wisdom, he will give it to him. So therefore, right now, I accept that wisdom is mine. He who does not believe is condemned already. You have a responsibility to hear, adhere to, and hold to without relinquishing the promise of God before it is a manifested deal. That's an obligation of ours. And that's why the devil does everything in his power to make you question. Watch this. Very, very first thing he said to man, very first conversation. Has God really said? Satan's first line is the line he uses today. God said, I'm healed. But oh, but now this feels even worse. Okay. But what did he say? Well, if you was really this, then why is this happening? But what did he say? And I have to then at that point say, God, I believe. Help my unbelief. But listen to what I'm saying. The focus is on me getting to the place that in my spirit, I believe. So I've been praying and praying and praying to ward off this attack and ward off this negative thing and ward off that. And God said, no, no. I want you to speak to it. And then believe you receive it no matter what you see. I know that's the truth. Everybody on here knows that's the truth. But how willing are we to do that when the flesh and the world around us is screaming contrary to what God has said? So here's what I'm saying. I am saved by believing that the Lord says I'm saved. Okay, that's a good way to put it, Lord. How many people here have eternal life? Let me see your hand. You have eternal life. Say you got it. How can you prove that? Somebody said, I believe it. How can you prove it? You're right, Merle. You can't. It's a knowing in your spirit. And you sat with it to the point that you don't let nobody and nobody, no demon in hell can tell you, even though you don't have that anywhere near you and don't know the experience of that until after you leave this planet outside of what you believe. Can I challenge you and tell you everything that God promises works that way? It becomes yours and you won't move. You confess it with your mouth, you believe it in your heart, and you won't let anything around you change that. And then you get to a place where it becomes a now moment, where God says, I need you to move now. God so loved the word that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever's in him shall not perish. That's not just there, that's here, but have eternal life. Starting the moment that you confess Christ as Savior, not when you die. If you're under the belief that your eternal life begins when you die, you are deceived. You are fooled. You are not stepping in eternal life after you die. You already have. Say, I already have eternal life. The power of God and his kingdom lives in me now. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me is now. 
I have all things that pertain to life and godliness is now. This is our legacy. This is what he died for us to have. So watch this. Let's keep going. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Ready for this now? He did this before. I'm going to do it again. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn you but that through him whoever believes, right? You may be saved. He didn't send Jesus here to condemn you. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. This is a very important point, and I want to talk about that. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn. Do you believe that? Is that a popular belief in the church? No. They believe Jesus came here to judge and condemn. Take the self-righteous ones, take all of them. They believe that God came here to point out what's wrong with you, and that's why they will point out what's wrong with you. That's why the church will point out what's wrong with you. That's why the church will point out what's wrong with each other. They will judge each other. They condemn each other. You're a hypocrite. You're a phony. You're not a real Christian. They will do all this stuff because they really believe that in coming at you like that, they are doing the work of God when Jesus himself didn't come here to do that. I've been in a lot of churches and I've not been in a church where I have not seen that as a reality that people who were the most judgmental thought that they were the most God. And that there was their job to point out your faults and your shortcomings and how God you should be and how God you are and what you need to get together in your life. Well, they don't serve the Christ, the, the Yahshua, the anointed one at all. They are deceived and they are served, but served demons because Jesus himself did not come in the world to condemn. So what would make us think if the Lord and Savior of the universe and creator of all things did not come here to do that, that they, we or anybody else has the right to do so? You're not acting like your father. Wait, I, I, maybe, maybe, maybe you don't get it. Let me give you an example. So Jesus is walking the earth. With a couple of his disciples, you may know the story. And they went into a town, and the people didn't receive Jesus. And the disciples said, Let's call down fire and burn them all. And Jesus turned to him and said, You don't know what manner of spirit you're in. They said, That's a demon. You don't even know what spirit you're flowing out of right now to come out your mouth and say some stuff like this. So Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He didn't come to judge you and point things at you and show you what's wrong with you. He came to show you what he gave for you in his love. And the focus of who you are in him needs to be about the love he came to give you. And if you focus on that, you will sl slide away from your shortcomings and weaknesses because your strength becomes focused on who you are and not who you're not. Say, I need to focus on who I am in him not who I'm not. So let me say this, and this is a good place to bring it home. I'm bringing read a couple more verses. He came in this world to save the world, not to judge the world, not to condemn it. 
then what gives you the right to condemn yourself if he didn't come to condemn you? Forget anybody else. How dare you be nasty and critical of yourself? How dare you put yourself down and shame yourself? How dare you belittle yourself in the name of calling it prayer and being humble before God? How dare you come before God speaking horrible like that about yourself whom he came to redeem? What do you think, this is what God had to show me, what do you think it feels like to me when you stand in front of me saying these horrible things about yourself when I gave my life to save you? What do you think it says to me as a father? And that's why he said, if you don't believe you're condemned already, you've already accepted condemnation and that condemnation will play out. You're right first in the realm of your spirit, and then your flesh follows, not the other way around. I'm going to say that three more times before this message is over. Jesus went in on and said it. This is the verdict. The light has come into world, to the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. I want you to really read that verse. This is the verdict. What's a verdict? What's, what's the verdict? Is the decision? It's the judgment? Is the Is this is the final outcome of this? So this is an important verse that I never paid attention to. But Jesus is saying the judge has made a ruling, and this is the verdict. I never paid attention to that verse like now. He's saying after everything I've said to you, Nicodemus, and the son comes into the world, and all of this, the, all of this stuff the spirit you must flow like the spirit all this stuff you must be born again it comes down to this verdict the light has come into the world but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil this is the verdict light has come into the world but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil maybe one more time this is the final verdict the light has come into the world but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil so many dimensions to this. But let me give you the simplest one. You would rather talk about what's wrong with you because it's dark and you like darkness, even though light is here. You're used to it. You're familiar with it. You love it. You would rather complain. We'd rather talk about bad news than good news. Turn on the TV. Turn on anything. They do not want to talk about good. They give you a little good news segment in the middle, in the last 10 seconds of the, of the, of the whole hour-long negative thing. He's saying, even though good has come and light has come, you prefer darkness and you prefer to walk in darkness because your deeds are evil. So you, because you already perceive yourself as evil by your deeds, you lean toward darkness other than light. You want light, but you lean toward darkness because you judge yourself by your deeds. Everyone who does evil hates light and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. This is powerful. That's a shame element. You won't come into the light. He's not saying because they because they're so evil, they don't want to say no, because they're afraid that their deeds will be exposed. So they won't come into the light. 
They won't come into the light. They won't come into Jesus with it and say, Lord, I want to give this to you because they feel that they'll be exposed and they don't want to be exposed. So they'd rather stay in darkness rather be, than be delivered. They'd rather stay in darkness rather than be healed. They'd rather stay in darkness rather than have wisdom and direction because if it helps me avoid the shame of my mistakes, I would rather stay here and die and be condemned already then step into the light. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that he may be seen plainly, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. I want you to see that. I don't know if you're getting the nuances of what I'm saying here. I feel like I'm struggling to make this point. Lord, give me, give me the words. Give me the anointing to say this right. I see something here that I'm really trying to convey to you, and I don't feel like I'm getting it across. Help me, Holy Spirit, and thank you in advance. You must be born again. God so loved the world. All of this stuff in this Nicodemus conversation. This is all one conversation. This is not five, five different stories and chapters and verses. You know, Jesus didn't talk in chapter and verse. He didn't say verse two and say what he's talking a straight conversation here. This man said, how do I do the great works that you do? How are you doing these miracles? Jesus is breaking it down. The flesh is in the flesh. It manifests things in the flesh. Things in the spirit, things in the spirit. How can you ask this question? You're a teacher of men. I mean, you're a teacher of the kingdom. Or don't you know the simplicity? Don't you understand spirit? How you understand spiritual things if I can't give you understand earthly things? And he begins to break down those who are in dark and those who are in light. And he said, those who don't receive are judged already. They're already condemned by their own choice not to believe. So here's the verdict. The verdict is the light has come, but the world doesn't embrace it because they cling to dark or evil because that's what they know. Everyone who, who, who does evil hates light. He's not saying you evil and you hate the light. It could be that. But what he's saying is, if I'm doing wrong, I hate exposure. I, if I'm doing wrong, I hate to even be seen by myself. If I'm doing wrong, I don't ever want to tell another Christian that because they may use that against me. If I'm doing wrong, I'm, I don't want to come to the light and I hate the light because the light shines something on me that I don't want shined on me. Even if where I am kills me. My Christian church image is so important to me that I'd rather stay in darkness. He will not come into life for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth. Now, watch this. He didn't say, but whoever does right, whoever works in the light, he said those are in the dark because they stay in the dark because their deeds are evil. But those who walk by the truth. And this, Jesus, this is the point I'm making. He exposed evil. And darkness and bad decisions to lack of truth. But if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. If you see this truth, 
Watch this. If you walk in the truth, you will come into the light. He didn't say he was evil, walks in the dark. But if you're really a godly person, you walk in the light. He said, no, if you know the truth, you automatically come into the light. You come into the light so that his deeds are plainly seen that what has been done has been done in the sight of God. I only change in the sight of God. I only change in the light. I only change by exposing myself to his truth. I only grow by claiming what he's already said now. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No weapon formed against me should prosper. I am not condemned, but I have been redeemed. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. All this stuff is my realities, and I have to have that before I see the manifestation of it. That's the love that he gave. He said, I've given you a free pass. Get on the ride. I've given you that righteousness already. I've given you that holiness already. I've given you that purity already. I've given you that eternal life already. I've given you that wisdom already. I've given you that insight already. It's yours. But if you don't believe it, you're condemned already. It's yours by reception. Keep this in mind. This is the verdict. People like Doc because light makes them feel shame. Christians would rather be in the dark and be delusional and not receive to not be convicted. And I'm not even talking about a sinning and doing wrong, period. Sometimes some of them just don't want to be wrong in conversation. Here's the difference. But if you walk in the truth, you come into the light. What is the truth? Thy word is truth. Truth is not your interpretation and your small myopic view of truth. Truth is the truth of God that he came, gave his life, shed his blood, hung on the cross, rose on the third day, and given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. And until you receive that, you can't walk in it. You can't walk in it first and receive it later. It's yours now, it's mine now. I wanna take a moment before you and ask you, take a minute and reflect on what has been eluding you for years. You've been standing before God about it. You sometimes believe, sometimes don't. Sometimes stand, sometimes fall. You've never accepted it now that you've heard this word as the reality of God's will for your life, so therefore you can't have it. You're condemned. The verdict is you don't see it, the light of it, so you walk in the darkness. We talked about what saved is last week. You broke down saved. God so loved the world that he gave, I mean, so loved you that he gave it. God said, whoever believed it might be saved. And you'll remember the breakdown of saved, if not go looking. But it was dealing with emotional, spiritual, financial, positional, and every area of life that word saved right there in that verse was covered everything from A to Z, from your birth to your death, and everything in between down to your pair of shoestrings. What 
needs to happen in your life right now to make you walk into that light and accept that truth. Thank you, Lord. So that you can begin to believe and live out of what God has promised you now. Father, I pray that over them, that's released. That they begin to see it. Just like you put on me four years ago, I started walking around saying, it's my time. It's my time. And it was coming out of my spirit. And boy, did the enemy try everything to oppose me in that. But I never stopped confessing it. And I still don't. It's my time. It's my time. And nothing and no one will get in the way. It's my time. What is it that the enemy's been keeping from you? Because we don't have to put up with that anymore. Not even a little bit. And we are going to confess, according to the verdict, that the light is here. And we're going to walk in truth. And that truth is going to bring us to the light. We're not trying to come to the light. We're going to walk in the truth, which is God and himself and in Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the light. We're going to walk in that truth. And that truth is going to bring us to the light. And we're going to enjoy that light from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, saints. I hope what I shared was helpful. I pray that it sows a seed into you. Please read this again and again on your own. This ends the series. Please read it until it becomes a part of who you are. Maybe I may come back next week and go over this again just to recap it. But for now, just sit with this. The verdict is in. The light is yours to have. If you believe, you're already saved. If you don't believe, you're already condemned. Not just in Jesus and him dying and raising on, being raised from the dead, but the word saved, we looked up, was everything that pertains to life and godliness. Thank you for your time. Love you guys. Yeah.